1: Hour two, you better you bet, presented by BetMGM. P.J. Glasser, Mark Drumheller, filling in for Nick and Ken. Mark and I actually with you for the rest of the week. So we'll be on tomorrow's show, Friday's show as well. Got a jam-packed next uh, three hours for you guys up until 7 o'clock Eastern time. For the next two hours, we will be on Stadium. So you can go over to watchstadium.com. You can check us out there. We are still on Sirius Channel 160, Sirius XM 205. Also on twitch.tv slash BeckQL and YouTube backslash Odyssey Sports. But we're going to have our first guest of the show join us, Kenny Ducey. You can follow him on Twitter, X at Kenny Ducey, betting analyst for the Action Network, the game day, covers.com, contributor. And you can find him on the tennis channel as well. Kenny, always great to see you, man. We will get into a little bit of tennis with you later on, but pitchers and catchers have reported today, very exciting, that, uh, that baseball is back. Which team are you like the most torn on this season, that you're like going back and forth on? One day maybe you wake up and you really like this team, and then the next day you're like, I don't know if I can bet them
0: it's interesting you ask because i always thought i I, first of all i'm glad to fill your ken quota for the day you know you got to have a ken on this show so i'm happy i could do that (laughs) um but you know it's an it's an interesting question because i was figuring maybe what team are you excited about it's a great question um and i think the team that i'm excited about that i'm also torn on is the chicago cubs because i love the cubs To win this nl central division i know the pakoda projections from my friends at baseball prospectus uh, had a great time working there in the past um you know they came out and they love the st louis cardinals and odds makers love the st louis cardinals as well and i just i can't get behind it with the rotation that's going to have steven Matz and lance lynn in the middle of it it's I, i and on top of the fact that like Basically, I think a lot of the weight here is, is on Jordan Walker's shoulders to, you know, elevate this offense to an elite level and a division winning level. So with that, like, I've been, I was all over the Cubs last year live, uh, so to speak, during the, the, the home stretch there to win the division. And I still sort of like them here. The question that I have, though, like the reason I'm torn is that a lot of the handicap here for me is that I think they're going to get a lot of help from their farm. Matt Shaw, who's been an excellent minor league player in just a very short time after they drafted him in the first round last year, I think we might be able to see him by the end of the season playing second base. I think he's an amazing hitter. Ben Brown is an incredible pitcher. He had an amazing double-A, struggled when he got the triple-A. Perhaps they put him in the bullpen. Uh, and Cade Horton, as well, has emerged as one of the top pitching prospects in baseball. There's a lot of guys that are going to come in, I think, and help the Cubs either late this year, second half, or next year. So the question for me is, like, how much of an impact do they make this year? Because as it stands right now, you've got a lot of weight on Amonga's shoulders. Kyle Hendricks did figure it out last year, but, like, you know he's he is very old. He's 34 years old, and he's not exactly a guy that uh, had a lot of consistency because he's a ground ball pitcher. They lose Marcus Stroman. There are a lot of question marks here, and and again, you know the magic of Mike Talkman at the top of that lineup. Like, what's he going to look like this year? Is he going to be able to repeat that campaign? And oh, by the way, they still have not re-signed Cody Bellinger. So. I really want to bet them right now. I I think they're going to win the division. I think the vibes in, in Chicago are very good. I think they've done a great job developing this team, but there are just a lot of question marks here. So I actually think the team that I'm most excited about in a division race, I'm also sort of torn on because like I could absolutely see the Cubs being a year away from really winning this division and really contending for a pennant and even a championship.
2: Kenny, last year's World Series, we saw some new blood, right? Some surprise teams, Rangers, Diamondbacks. Um, Give me your opinion on just what we should expect out of those teams coming into the year. And if there's a team that's outside of that top tier, maybe the top five teams on the odds boards, that we could have our eye on that could be, you know, the Rangers or the Diamondbacks of this upcoming season.
0: Yeah I mean I think a lot of people right would love to say the Baltimore Orioles here but as you mentioned you're looking for a long shot the Baltimore Orioles at 14 to 1. Now the expectations are on their shoulders and they are really anticipated to have a, a, at least a pennant winning season here perhaps even winning the division over the New York Yankees. So it's a tough question to answer. I'll first just talk about the Diamondbacks. I am very low on them. I was low on them all postseason last year. They were the team of destiny. Congratulations. I, I like their pitching staff but this team just cannot Hit. Corbin Carroll, yes, he's amazing. He might be one of the top five hitters in baseball this year. I don't think that matters. I just don't think there's enough complimentary pieces on this lineup. They lose Dominic Fletcher, we'll talk about in a second, or maybe we won't talk about, but I like him to win rookie of the year. Um, But, you know, I think that there are plenty of concerns with this Diamondbacks offense. It was just really bad all year last year. Um, They kind of found the hits they needed in October, but the NL also was a pretty, you know, easy path. I mean, I think the, the Dodgers, some of their roster decisions, not putting ben Rosario on the roster, having some bad starts early in that, uh, that series, cost them that series against the diamondbacks i would not expect the diamondbacks to repeat in that scenario uh the texas rangers you know i i think they have a much better chance of returning to the 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 world series if we're being honest i really like wyatt langford he should get a lot of at bats this year Year really the first full year of evan carter there's a lot to be excited about even if you think that Marcus Simeon's going to regress, which he absolutely could. So I think the Rangers have a much better shot of getting back there than the Diamondbacks do. If you're looking for something a little bit off the board. No, I hate the Seattle Mariners. You're never going to get me to say the Seattle Mariners are going to be a championship contending team. Not with that offense. Not, not, I mean, they have like two good hitters. Give me a break. I actually like the Minnesota twins. um, And a lot of it has to do with the fact that I really also like Royce Lewis to an MVP. I think you put him back on there. At number two in that lineup, I think hopefully you get 110, maybe 120 games out of him, but the pitching staff should still be very strong. I know they lost Sonny Gray, but there's still a lot to be excited about. The division for them should be very attainable and it's one of those teams right they just have a lot of guys a matt walliner you know byron buxton if he again plays 100 games like they have guys that hit the ball hard that can be productive offensive players and you feel like it would be impossible for them not to put together one really good season um and recapture some of the magic they had last year i mean this was a very good team last year so i think them and the cubs to be honest on both sides of the, the the coin here would be my picks to be sort of a long shot to win And uh, who knows, man, maybe the San Francisco Giants, uh, you know, look, I've hated Robbie Ray for a long time. I don't like the way he profiles as a pitcher, but if there's one team that's going to figure him out in that giant ballpark, it's the San Francisco Giants. Maybe they're able to replace him. They got a couple of international free agent signings as well. They could find some magic here. No, they're not going to win the NL West, but could they sneak into a wild card? Maybe make some noise in the postseason? I think that absolutely is a possibility. So. Maybe the Giants is a very long shot, but I think in terms of the much more manageable long shots, the Twins and Cubs, I think I'm still looking at.
1: Kenny, I'm looking at the AL MVP market right now, and no surprise, like Soto's towards the top, and Judge, and Alvarez, and all these guys. Mike Trout is all the way down at 22-1. to Obviously, he's been dealing with injuries for the last couple of years. No more Otani, and the Angels are probably going to be one of the worst teams in the American League, but... This is Mike Trout. Like, would he be worth a play to you at 22 to 1 at all to win American League MVP? honestly pj
0: i think so and i think the what i always stress when we talk about these markets is that it's a human market right it's not like you're talking about home run leader or uh, a team that has to go out and win you know 90 games or win the division like there's it's it's a human element to it right there's voters at play here there are people that, that are going to say to themselves well we didn't give mike trout mvp you know two or three times when he deserved it because of voter fatigue and there was another guy maybe a little more deserving i really kind of feel like there could be a path here for mike trout to to put himself in position to win another award just because i feel like if he's close if he's maybe like if there's a debate between him and i don't know a Corey seager I think there could be a case here where the voters go, well, he kind of should have gotten one a few years ago. We'll give him this one, or I'll vote for him. No one else is going to vote for Mike Trout first, right? So I'll just do it. And then, all oh, by the way, uh, you know, a lot of people had the same thought, and he, might, he manages to win narrowly. I, I think that there's certainly a case to be made here for taking him at that number, just given the fact that there's the human vote element. Um, but And also, you know, you look at a lot of the favorites. Yeah, Soto, I, I think there's going to be high expectations on him. I think we have to remember that last year for the first half this guy wouldn't swing the bat and the yankees do really preach on base and power so maybe he's not going to swing the bat uh, again to start his yankees tenure i hopefully uh, hopefully for my sake for watching good baseball here on cable and in person he does but Aaron Judge you know missed a lot of games last year Jordan Alvarez missed a lot of games last year Julio Rodriguez is up here at the top and he had a bad season for his standards he had a great rookie year and regressed last year like do you want to bet him at that number no Kyle Tucker is a good option but I think when you run down the list Gunnar Henderson certainly should not be up there give me a break Um, so I, I think Mike Trout is absolutely a good one but as I mentioned before my pick here is Royce Lewis, because obviously, yes, you could make the argument he's injury prone and you, know, there's, you can't trust him to stay on the field. I would argue, like I said, Alvarez and Judge played uh, 110 and 115 games or something like that last year. Royce Lewis, from when he came back from injury till the end of the year, was one of the top five or excuse me top six players in wrc plus in the american league he was that good so if you just get 120 130 games out of royce lewis given the injury concerns up and down the board and the regression candidates here or a guy that regressed last year and julio rodriguez i think there's a very good argument to be made that royce lewis could jet up this leaderboard into the top three uh, in just a few months if he manages to stay healthy and the Twins, they put him at third base. They're trying to minimize the risk there. And I would also mention that the guy tore his ACL twice, and he still put up top five numbers, or top six numbers in the American League last year. So I think he may be superman, and I don't think there's anything that can kill this guy. He's just going to continue to play well as long as he's on the field.
2: Mm. Great stuff. So NL Cy Young, let's shift over to that real quick. Two NL East pitchers at the top, Spencer Schrider, Zach Wheeler from Philadelphia. How do you see that race playing out? Is there any targets on the board maybe a little further along that we should be looking at?
0: well i'm glad you mentioned zach wheeler because he's you know been a guy that i've sort of backed for uh cy young like three years in a row now and he just continues to dominate you know you know that the peripherals were there for him last year even though he struggled at the beginning of the season he managed to find it and i honestly agree with you that if you look for value here in the awards market i think nl cy young is probably the place you want to go just because spencer strider although he's not a strong favorite he is the favorite and he is going to impact the, you know, the way that Justin Steele, for example, is priced. And Spencer Strider finished the year in kind of disastrous fashion. I mean, this guy has mm-hmm. really relied on his incredibly high strikeout numbers to, to manage to get through some of these starts and get himself into position for the Cy Young Award win. And I look, I think that Spencer Strider is the second best pitcher next to Zach Wheeler in the National League. I think there's a very good argument for him being one. Uh, certainly he's top two. But you know, when you look at the home runs here there's always a concern because like I said, you know, yes, he strikes out higher than I believe 35% of his hitters. It's insane. Right. And it doesn't really matter if you give up home runs at that number when you strike out guys like that, but everyone sees regression at some point in the strikeout numbers, even if Spencer Strider strikes out, let's just say 32% of his batters, right. That he faces, that's still an elite number. That's still going to be maybe even number one in baseball, but he's going to probably run into a little more trouble if he's giving up more contact and put in guys are putting more balls in play because when guys put balls in play against him. things don't usually go that well for Spencer Strider. So I think there's a little bit of a risk factor taking him. But again, you look at some of the other options. I think Logan Webb's a fine option as well. I, I don't disagree with his pricing. I disagree with Zach gallons pricing based on how he pitched last year. I would say Justin Steele at plus, uh, 1600 16 to one, you might be able to get a better price. That's a guy I'm looking at because he, for a long time, or I wouldn't say a long time, but probably a month and a half, two months there, looked like the NL Cy Young before guys overtook him late in the year. Um, I do think that he can win this award. I think he's going to be the main reason why the Cubs are in position to win this division, uh, given the fact that now you lose Marcus Stroman, who was very good for them, if they don't re-sign Cody Bellinger, and the Cubs still perform well, like I expect. I think justin Steele is going to get a lot of the credit and he could certainly be a guy to look at but um you know there's obviously a, honestly a lot of interesting names on this board because of what i mentioned with the risk concerns uh with some of the top guys but you know bobby miller is a guy that just continues to get better with every week in the big leagues i think he could take a big leap here so those are the two long shots i'd be looking at i'd stay away from tyler glass now because that guy's going to pitch like a hundred innings the dodgers just Definitely don't want him to get hurt again before the postseason. Um, and uh, Freddie Peralta pitches four innings to start, so I don't know how you could justify taking him here. But I would say Steele and Bobby Miller are my two long shots that I like.
1: Kenny, we got about a minute left. You're, you were mentioning some guys on the Dodgers. Obviously, Otani signs that 10-year deal. If I said over-under during that contract the next 10 years, the Dodgers' two-and-a-half World Series with Otani, would you go over or under? Uh,
0: I I think I'd go under honestly, just because it's such a volatile market. Are you, well, ten years is a long time, but I think ultimately what you're getting and what you're paying for is like five elite years from Otani. And I think the last half of that contract, you know, I think the reason you sign him is because of all the money he brings in, all that stuff. I think what you're really you're gonna get Otani Otani for five years, and you're only getting him pitching for four. Um, but. I mean, it's tough for me. It's a tough call. I mean, I do feel like the Dodgers farm, at least on the hitting side has regressed a little bit. Like Miguel Vargas was supposed to be God and he turned out to be, you know, just kind of a pedestrian hitter. So I could certainly see the Dodgers only winning twice, especially with the diamondbacks having a lot of, a lot of good youngsters coming up. And I think the the diamondbacks could challenge the Dodgers for several titles in the NL West. Once you got guys like Jordan Lawler at full Tommy Troy looks really good. So you know, it could be dicey. So I think with the Dodgers, you know, their World Series history over the last 20 years, nothing's a guarantee, especially with a lot of the powers in the American League, the, the Orioles rising to power and the Yankees maybe retooling. So
1: I think we're pumping the brakes on five World Series. Give me two. All right. Great stuff. Kenny Ducey, betting analyst, Action Network, the Game Day gamedaycovers.com contributor. You can catch him on the Tennis Channel as well. Kenny, great catching up with you, man. Appreciate it. You too. Baseball season is the best. Yes, it is. Denton Day, join us next here. You Better You Bet, presented by BetMGM.
3: We'll be right back
0: with You Better You Bet, presented by BetMGM. On the BetQL Network. Let's get back to You Better You Bet, presented by BetMGM. On the BetQL Network.
1: You better you bet. Presented by Ben MGM, PJ Glasser, Mark Drumheller filling in for Nick and Ken. Just had Kenny Ducey on. Great stuff from Kenny. Talking some MLB pitchers and catchers reporting today. Mark and I are gonna get into some baseball later on in the show. We're also gonna get into some college football later on in the show. As well, we're getting ready to talk about college football with our guy Denton Day here in moments. But a reminder that you guys can watch us on Stadium. Go to watchstadium.com. You can check us out there. You can also listen to us on Sirius Channel 160, Sirius XM 205. Also, can go to twitch.tv slash BeckQL and YouTube backslash Odyssey Sports. But let's, let, let's bring him on, Denton Day. You can follow him on Twitter, X at Day. He's a host, College Football Overtime on Sirius XM College Football Radio, 106.7 The Fan, the Team 980, and does stuff for us right here on the BetQL Network, co-host of Sunday's Bets with yours truly. So, Dan, I only thought I was getting you for one day this week, but I get you for two. So very much looking forward to that. We're going to talk some college football with you here in a bit, but want to get your thoughts on some breaking news that we had to kick off our show. Steve Wilkes no longer the defensive coordinator for San Francisco. Obviously, great defensive game plan in the first half. And then in the Mm -hmm. second half, overtime, things kind of fell apart. The Niners are favorites. Denton will win the Super Bowl next season. So what what are your thoughts on what the Niners do moving forward? Does this change your opinion on them for next season? Where are you right now on the state of San Francisco?
3: This was a little surprising, but not terribly surprising, right? Because when you take into consideration how Kyle Shanahan has usually built his coaching staff, a lot of them are within the Kyle Shanahan tree of coaching. And Steve Wilkes is one of the few guys that had had success elsewhere that he decided to adopt into uh, his system this year. So I, I guess you always kind of knew that it wasn't going to be for, forever. I'm stunned at how quickly it happened. I thought you'd maybe give it another week or two. Just the way that the coaching carousel is moving in the NFL, if you know you're going to let a guy go, you might as well rip the Band-Aid off while you can. as far as what it does for their, uh, their, their chances next season – I don't think it makes a huge impact, to be completely honest. I think Steve Wilkes is a very good defensive-minded coach, but I think there's a lot of very good defensive-minded coaches out there in the NFL. So if you can find a guy that can really utilize uh, the talent they have defensively, I mean, it's no no secret. This was not the best 49ers defense we have seen uh, under Kyle Shanahan, right? There's been plenty of years where I think their defense has been a lot better, but the talent remained largely the same. So... Sometimes it's good for both sides. I think Steve Wilkes will land on his feet somewhere else, and uh, the 49ers will find somebody that can hopefully utilize their talent to the best of their ability.
2: Denton, I wanted to pivot over to the Commanders. Um, a huge offseason for them. They bring in Dan Quinn. They bring in Cliff Kingsbury as the offensive coordinator. They're in prime position to get the face of their franchise going forward, most likely Drake May if you know, you're going off the current odds. Bring a guy into – the system like Drake May or, or a new quarterback, um, the offense that they're building, they, they signed Anthony Lynn. It looks like it, it It seems like it could be a little more conservative than I would have thought. Like, Tell me a little bit about your thoughts on Kingsbury and then bringing in Anthony Lynn as the run game coordinator.
3: So I like Cliff Kingsbury. I don't love him, but I like him. I think in mm-hmm. short doses, he has proven that he can be very good and effective, the problem is. The NFL season is not exactly short doses right he does like a really good half of the NFL season and then halfway through once you get some film on him people kind of break down what he's doing and there's not a lot of adjustments so my hope is that Cliff Kingsbury will get more comfortable making adjustments throughout the season as it progresses now in Washington we are ecstatic about a run game coordinator because we were told at the beginning of the season that they're going to be a two to one run to pass team. And then they hire Eric Bieniemy, who wanted to drop Sam Howe back 50 times a game. And there was just not a lot of clear communication. And it's very difficult on an offensive line and a young rookie quarterback or not rookie, but like a pseudo rookie quarterback to drop him back 50 times. So I like a run game coordinator. I think the the running back room that they are putting together, specifically with Brian Robinson, if you put an emphasis on that side of the football and that element of the offense, I think you can have a lot of success. So at least now I'm optimistic as to what they're going to do. Now that heavily depends on who is playing quarterback. Do they draft a guy in Drake May or my preference, which is Jaden Daniels, at number two, do they decide to trade back and maybe go with a veteran quarterback? I know a couple of offshore books say that they're one of, if not the favorite, to land Kirk Cousins this offseason. I don't mm-hmm. think Kirk would fit with this offense, but it's something that has kind of taken a lot of us in D.C. by storm today as those numbers because we, of course, uh, remember Kirk Cousins very fondly. So it'll be really interesting to see what they do with quarterback. But once they get that situated, I am at least optimistic for now that they'll be able to build – an offense that I won't hate watching in November, because I'll tell you what, guys, November and December absolutely sucked this year.
1: <laughs> yeah, not not a great end of the season for Washington. Dan, let's pivot over to uh, college football. I want to get your thoughts on what we've seen so far in this offseason, the odds market for some of these teams. Let's start with Michigan. Obviously, they are the champions. Jim Harbaugh huh. moves to the L, uh, moves to L.A. to become the head coach of The Chargers, Sherron Moore takes over, J.J. McCarthy no longer the quarterback. When you look at Michigan for this upcoming season, do you still see them making the playoff? Do you still see them being a factor, maybe winning the Big Ten? Like, What, in your eyes, is the ceiling for Michigan for the upcoming season?
3: Well, if they win the Big Ten, something has gone terribly wrong with Ohio State. I look at this Michigan team very similar to how I looked at 2020 LSU when they were so good in 19 and then they lose Joe Burrow, right? And they lose a bunch of other guys that were critical to what they were doing offensively. That's kind of what Michigan is, only on top of losing your quarterback, your running back, your wide receiver, like half of your defense, you also lose the head coach that was kind of the face of your program. I, I, I recognize why they are so high in the odds. I still think there's a potential for them to get into the playoff, but that's because it's a 12 team playoff, right? Like if it was a 14 team playoff again, there's no chance they're getting in. I just don't think they are built now to to make and continue what they did last season. I think Sharon Moore is a hell of a coach, but they're they're asking him to climb a very very high mountain. Adding Wink Martindale will be interesting. I don't know if it's a good interesting or a bad interesting. I think he can coach defense. I have no idea if he can handle college kids. There's a big difference between handling professionals and college kids. So I don't know what they're going to look like on that side of the ball. And that really was one of their strong suits this year. So there's a lot more questions than answers with Michigan. But because it's a 12-team playoff, I'd feel comfortable with them getting in. But they're not winning the Big Ten. I mean, this is Ohio State's conference to lose this year.
2: Let's talk a little bit more about Ohio State. Chip Kelly, longstanding relationship with Ryan Day, gets the offensive coordinator job. He comes in. It seems like every time that the Buckeyes lose to Michigan, Ryan Day's play calling comes into <laughs> question. So, um, what are your thoughts on bringing Kelly into the fold and, you know, Ohio State and their offense um, in these big games?
3: I think it's great for him, I think you're right by the way. I think now Ryan Day can breathe a little easier because he'll at least <laughs> in the event where they lose a fourth year in a row to Michigan he'll at least have a finger uh, to point in the direction of somebody else i don't think that's going to happen. I think when you look at this team in particular, they are so loaded on both offense and on defense, so I think they're going to be in a really really good spot. i'm really excited to see how they're going to use some of their some of their running backs right like that room is just absolutely loaded this year and if they put a heavy emphasis on running the football with Quinshon junkins now joining the fray i mean they're gonna be a fun team to watch the game's gonna go quick because they're just gonna be pounding the rock but uh i'm excited to see what chip kelly is going to do it's weird that chip kelly is the offensive coordinator that has not gotten normal and it probably never will that he leaves the head coaching job willingly to take an offensive coordinator job in the same conference like it's one thing if you're leaving South Alabama State to be a coordinator at Bama but leaving UCLA to be a coordinator at Ohio State is not normal so I'm intrigued to see how that's going to work but there's a lot of pressure uh, there, there's a lot of pressure because with all the good that Chip Kelly brings to Ohio State if Ryan day loses again to Michigan and they maybe miss out on the playoffs or maybe don't make the run that they're anticipating and make out on the playoffs you now have a guy in waiting that has a legitimate reason to be named head coach because we've seen him do it before at a high level. The only difference between Ohio State and some of the other places he's coached at is Ohio State has a vast amount of resources that those other places, namely UCLA, did not have. Talking with Denton
1: Day here on You Better You Bet, presented by BetMGM. You can follow Denton on Twitter at the. Denton Day does stuff for us here at the BetQL Network hosting Sunday's bets. You can also catch him on uh, 106.7 The Fan and the Team 980 in Washington, D.C. Denton, the ACC looks like it should be a two-team race once again. Florida State obviously went undefeated last year, didn't make the playoff. Clemson, it was a down year for them. Dabo's starting to embrace the transfer portal just a little bit, though. He does have some guys coming back. They're both 20-1. to 1 right now in the futures market so who, who as of right now would you buy more stock in clemson or florida state in the acc
3: right now it would be clemson which i know sounds weird because it sure feels like they're on kind of the downtrot of this wonderful run that they went on in the in the mid-2010s but i would put more stock in them just because i'm a little more confident in Dabo building up a roster. I happen to like Mike Norvell, but I I have not seen him in this position where he loses the vast amount of players that he did, whether it be in the NFL draft and graduating guys or, or being to the transfer portal. So I don't know how he is going to be rebuilding a roster. I mean, he did a really good job building this roster at Florida State, but it took him a couple of years. So I don't know what that turnaround time is going to be for him rebuilding, where I'm a little bit more confident with Dabo Sweeney, even though he doesn't really do the transfer portal. I mean, I mean, he's like dipping his toe in the thing, but he's still very much in, in the kiddie pool while some of us are swimming in Olympic pools, right? So he's in the water, but he's certainly not – he's not shoulder deep yet. Uh, but I do have more trust in him just because I've seen them do this, this song and dance before.
2: Denton. Uh, the Oregon Ducks with Dan Lanning and what he'd done, especially after, you know, the, the job opened up at Alabama, you know, planting his flag in Oregon, saying he's not going anywhere. I thought it was one of the best stories of the offseason. He brings in Dylan Gabriel, Dante Moore, builds up the quarterback room, Bo Nix moves on. Uh, do you think the Ducks are live at 10-1 to 1 to win the national championship? It seems like they were right on the cusp last year, just couldn't get the job done against Washington. Um, and I think they could be even stronger this season.
3: I am a thousand percent with you, Mark. I am all mm-hmm. over Oregon. I love Dan Lanning. I was ready, so I met him at the Fiesta Bowl. I was ready to run through a wall after talking to that guy. <laughs> and it should be noted, they were playing my alma mater. So I like did this weird bait and switch thing where I was like, holy smokes, like this Oregon team and this Dan Lanning guy, he is as true as it comes. There was no surprise on my end when he said, I'm not going to Alabama. That makes total Mm -hmm. sense. I'd love, for whatever you feel about the current state of college football, and I know it's very polarizing at this point in time, Dan Lanning is like the figurehead for the college football that I love. He embraces the transfer Mm -hmm. portal. He's afraid to utilize nil but he's also real up front he's a motivational kind of guy he builds great relationships he is everything that i love about college football so getting them at 10 to one i think this might be the best odds you'll get for them because uh, once the season starts and whoever they decide to go with the quarterback whether it's gabriel or more they're going to be a really really good team uh, this upcoming season so i i love them at 10 to one Dan, we got a couple minutes left.
1: Ole Miss is 11-1. to 1. I think when you look at the futures market, right, it's the usual suspects, and then the team that might surprise some people is Ole Miss, but they got a lot coming back. Kiffin did a lot of good things on defense in the transfer portal, and now with all the teams in the SEC, like every schedule is tough, but – of all the ones I've seen, Ole Misses might be the most favorable. They don't have to play Bama. They don't have to play Texas. Uh-huh. They don't have to play Tennessee. Georgia's at home. Oklahoma's at home. So what, what are your thoughts with Ole Miss? I mean, Lane Kiffin has kind of slowly been getting better and better every year. Is this finally the year that they break through? Do you see Ole Miss making the playoff and maybe being a contender? Uh,
3: I do think they will be – In a position to make the playoffs i'm not going to say they're going to make the playoff but i do think they will be in a position to make the playoff not playing bama is huge for them because for whatever reason when lane kiffin plays nick saban in alabama he just collapses on himself. He gets, the moment is too big for him. He he starts to do a little bit of the extracurricular stuff and trying to troll Alabama and Saban it, it never pans out. So not having them on the schedule, I think is a huge sigh of relief for all of the Ole Miss fans. They've done a wonderful job in the transfer portal. Now losing Quinchon Judkins obviously hurts. Losing him to Ohio State, but Look, a running back is not going to make or break your chances for a championship, right? Like we we all know that running backs are great players. We love running backs, but there are other important positions on the field that they have a really good they have really good units at. So I'm excited. They're one of the teams that I'm excited to see now with a 12 team playoff. So I think they'll be in striking distance. Uh, but I'm also when it comes to Lane Kiffin, it's a long season. I just need him to keep his head on straight for the entirety of it.
1: Denton Day, you can follow him on Twitter, X at the Denton Day host, College Football Overtime, Sirius XM College Football Radio, 106.7 The Fan, the Team 980, and a co-host of Sunday's Bets here on the BetQL Network. Dan, you betting any golf when I see you on Sunday? Are we going to be sweating out any tickets?
3: I mean, you got to bet Tiger this weekend. Yeah, even if he's one to 1, you sprinkle just a little (laughs) bit on it. You got to bet Tiger. There'll be a couple other bets that I'll, I'll probably put in sometime later tonight too.
1: All right. I'm looking Sunday's forward to seeing what good. they are. Sunday's going to be good. <laughs> looking forward to it. Denton, always great catching up with you, man. Appreciate
3: it. Fellas, appreciate it. Be well.
1: All right. Great stuff there from Denton. Mark and I going to talk some college football. When we come back, excited to dive into it, look at some of the odds boards. Denton did a great job breaking down some of those teams. There, Chip Kelly was obviously a notable move from UCLA to Ohio State. There were also some other coaching changes. We'll get into those as well as we wrap up our two here, You Better You Bet, presented by BetMGM. With you until 7 o'clock Eastern time, PJ Glasser, Mark Drumhell.
0: Let's get back to You Better You Bet, presented by BetMGM on the BetQL Network.
1: You Better You Bet, presented by Ben MGM, PJ Glasser, Mark Drumheller, filling in for Nick and Ken. We are on stadiums. Make sure you guys go to watchstadium.com. You can check us out over there. We are still on Sirius Channel 160, Sirius XM 205, twitch.tv slash YouTube backslash Odyssey Sports. You can listen to us on the Odyssey app as well. Had two great uh, guests these last two segments. Kenny Ducey joined us talk a little MLB. We had Denton Day on, talking some NFL college football as well. Mark, now it's time for us to dive into some college football, a sport we both love quite a bit. Georgia right now, they are the favorites at plus 350, and rightfully so. Mark, have you had a chance to look at Georgia's schedule for this upcoming season? Because I know Mm -hmm. we've given them a lot of flack for their schedule the last two years, but, man, they're making up for it this season. That schedule is ridiculous.
2: Yeah, it's definitely a tough one. But Georgia, I mean, the, the roster is so strong. I mean, you, now they get Carson Beck back. Uh, I think the offense is going to look even more dynamic than it did towards the end of last year. So I, they're definitely the team to beat. I mean, the schedule can be tough and it can, it can lead to some regular season losses that you probably wouldn't expect. But now we're moving to a different playoff format. So it how significant is it you know teams don't have to go undefeated anymore to make the playoffs so uh, i think george is going to be just fine but it's going to it's going to lead to definitely a lot of fun games
1: i mean it's insane like all of their true road games right now are against teams that would currently be ranked so they're at ole miss mm-hmm. they're at texas they're at alabama they're at kentucky they play clemson to open up the season in atlanta they get tennessee and florida they get tennessee at home and then of course they get florida in jacksonville so it's a tough schedule their uh, win total is it 10 and a half games so you know right now basically vegas is telling you will georgia only lose one of those games i agree with you the uh the talent is certainly there they're the best team in the country i think they probably win it again this past year if bowers and McConkie aren't uh, nicked up in that in that SEC championship game against Bama. Um, and it just sucks for them that, you know, a year in which they go undefeated the entire regular season losing the SEC championship, it just so happened that the way it worked out with the other teams that were undefeated, and obviously the tiebreakers with Bama and Texas but uh, they they are going to be the team to beat. That schedule is going to be really really tough for them, though. Then right behind them is Ohio State. What do you think of the Buckeyes? What does Ryan Day need to do in your mind for him to be the head coach of the future for Ohio State? Like, does he have to win the the whole thing this year?
2: I think winning the Big Ten would be a step in the right direction, but I also think bringing in Chip Kelly is also, uh, you know, a step in the right direction. I think Denton really nailed it when he said it's going to give him the opportunity to breathe, right, and not be you know, the center of the attention all the time, you know, from an offensive play calling standpoint. Uh, Kelly's a guy that he can trust, so he has no problem, you know, delegating that out to him. So I think I was surprised that, you know, I I guess like Will Howard's going to be the answer quarterback there. I thought last year with Kyle McCord, um, that was kind of their Achilles heel a little bit, right? They didn't have the strength at the quarterback position. So I was curious to see if they would really – you know, make a push to bring in a bigger name at quarterback. I mean, Howard, definitely good with those weapons around him. He's going to be absolutely fine in that offense. Uh, They're going to be able to run the ball very effectively, and he still has guys like Abuka, um, you know, he can get the ball out to. So, I, I think Ohio State's going to be great. I, the Big Ten's going to be so much fun with the infusion of talent you know, from the different teams coming in. Um, it's, it's, I cannot – I mean, fast forward to week zero. I cannot wait for this season. But I think Ohio State, from a roster perspective, is, is right there up with anybody, and, you, and it's reflected in the odds. Yeah,
1: I mean, they probably got the best player in the transfer portal, getting uh, Caleb Downs from Bama, who's like – I mean, for a true Mm -hmm. freshman to start on Nick Saban's defense and then get like All-American honors kid's pretty good. So that's a good pickup for the Buckeyes. If Ryan Day loses to Michigan again and then Ohio State (laughs) makes it all the way to the championship game and loses in the title game, do you think he still comes back next season? Or if he loses to Michigan, he has to win the title?
2: It's a great question. It's a great question. It's a cruel world. And, you know, with Chip Kelly lurking there, you wonder if they would make a move. I don't think so, though. I mean, there's still, even if he doesn't get over the hump, I still think he gets a little latitude, but I don't. I shouldn't say I don't see any way. I would be surprised if they they lost to Michigan this year. I think Michigan's going to take a step back with the losses, you know, the attrition that they suffered, you know, in the coaching staff and whatnot. So, uh, I think this is Ohio State's year. But you know, I thought that the past couple years, like I, I never, I don't think in that game going into the season, I. I thought Michigan, even this year, would win the Big Ten. So, um, I, you know, maybe I'm a little bit biased, and I give Ohio State a little bit more credit. It's definitely a huge year for Day, though. If he doesn't get the job done this year, the seat's going to get hot. How can I No not? question.
1: Oh, no question. Especially now that Harbaugh's gone, right? Like, what's, what's the excuse? Because you already lost to Sharon Moore last year, and now you get him mm-hmm. at the horseshoe. Mark, I really think if Ohio State, if they lose to Michigan – that he has to win the national title or I think he's gone. Like, as crazy as that is to say, look, we both know there are just certain rivalries. There are certain games that weigh more than others. The only reason Gus Malzahn was at Auburn for as long as he was was because, you know, he beat Saban every couple years, right? Every once every three years or something like that. Like, if you lose four straight to Michigan and you win the national title, fine. You won the title, so people can live with that. Mm-hmm. But if you lose to Michigan, and then you get so close, and you lose in the title game, I, man, as crazy as it is to think, like, I think he's going to be gone, man. And do you think it's just that... so
2: hard, because... Like, 2022, they they should have been national champions, right? Not last year the year before. The kicker misses the kick, you know, when the ball drops on New Year's on the East Coast. It was right. just – they were right there. Stroud, you know, had a tremendous game against that Kirby Smart defense. There was nothing that, you know, Ryan Day probably could have done some things differently. But, ultimately, they should have won the game, so it's hard to, you know – be that rough on him when you know that he did everything he could to put his team in position to be national champions. Now, it was the playoff game. They would have still had to win the national title game, but they would have steamrolled TCU. Uh, You know, we all knew that. So they were that, that close to being national champions. So I think it'd be hard to make a drastic move if they lost to Michigan and got back to that spot again. I mean, look,
1: they still win a ton of games. The guy still recruits really, really well. He just can't beat Michigan, Mm -hmm. and he hasn't won – He hasn't won the title yet, so this is a big year, no doubt. Do you think there was some under-the-table conversations when Chip Kelly took that OC job that maybe he would be the coach in waiting? Like, do you think he takes that job strictly just wanting to get out of UCLA, knowing that there's no more Pac-12, they're constantly going to be looking up to these other programs in the Big Ten, maybe not wanting to be a head coach for this year, right, and everything that comes with that and NIL and all that, but also knowing that if he makes kind of this move from being a head coach to an OC, maybe in a year he could be the head coach of the Buckeyes. Like, do you think that is played into all of this as well and maybe Chip Kelly could be the next coach of Ohio State?
2: I'm not going to say it's not possible for Chip Kelly to be the next coach of Ohio State, but I think his relationship with Ryan Day, like, makes that – type of a conversation very unlikely right i i think this is more of maybe chip kelly doesn't want to be head coach at all maybe he'd rather be offensive coordinator for a team that can contend for a national championship than be head coach for a team that's not we know he's flirted with the nfl he was in the running to be offensive coordinator there maybe he's just a point in his career where he doesn't want to build an entire program just wants to go out there coach ball coach offense and be on a, you know for a winning team a team that can legitimately win the title. So I think that's what the situation is here. You know, Day was, uh, I'm pretty sure Day was on his staff when he was here in Philadelphia, you know, with the Eagles when Chip Kelly was in the NFL. So these guys go way back. They go way back to New Mm -hmm. Hampshire. So I don't think he would go into a situation of where, you know, he could be the heir apparent where Ryan Day feels pressure because of his presence. I think it's more of Ryan Day giving him an opportunity that is more suitable for where he's at in his career right now.
1: What about Texas? Obviously, Sark got him back to the college football playoff. They had that mm-hmm. big win in Tuscaloosa last year. He gets Ewers back as his quarterback. Are you a Quinn Ewers guy? Like, are you are you in the camp that he's going to be a really good pro, or, or do you think he's
2: he's a bit overrated? I think it's tough to say right now. You know, I think we still have to see a lot more Quinn Ewers before we know that. Um, I, I think that. Texas, again, you know, roster strength. They're right up there with anyone. I don't think they're going to have any problem with the SEC schedule. I think Stark took a big leap this year in where he took that program. The interesting thing is, you know, Manning's breathing down his back. So what does that look like? You know, if Hoover slips up early, you know, is Manning able to overtake him? When do they assert Manning into the offense? When do they start giving him reps? All that makes a very interesting season for Texas, but they're – they're pretty strong. Now, they lose a lot at the wide receiver position. They still have Isaiah Bond there. They, they have some guys. Um, how that plays out, you know, will be interesting. But from a roster strength perspective, you know, recruiting, you know, they're, they're getting a ton of people in there. So I really like Texas this year. I think they're going to be very, very successful in their first year in their new conference.
1: I think the biggest question for Texas, you know what's funny to me, Mark, is Texas is a lot like the Detroit Lions, right? Great offense, Mm -hmm. great defensive line. They can stop the run, but the pass defense is like their bugaboo, and that's what killed them. That's why that matchup against Washington, I think Texas is a better team than Washington. What a terrible matchup that was for them, though, with their Mm -hmm. pass defense going up against that Washington passing attack, right? Much like the Lions. We know the Lions have a great offense, can stop the run, but it's that pass defense that kills them. That was the difference against San Francisco. So if Texas can solve that pass defense, I mean, you hit the nail on the head. Like, the talent is there. Their front seven is excellent. They got a pro quarterback in Ewers. They did lose some guys at receiver, but – Sark's got five stars he went into the portal he got some mm-hmm. it's a sark offense i think he's the best play caller in the country so i'm not concerned at all about texas's offense to me it really comes down to that pass defense because look i mean now that you're in the sec you certainly you know you played your fair share of good quarterbacks in the big 12 but I mean, every week in the SEC, you know, you're going to face pro quarterback after pro quarterback. So even at some of these smaller schools, it's going to be a big test for Texas. And if they're able to adjust to that, if their pass defense can be a lot better, I think uh, I think they could be good. Dare I say, Mark, that maybe Texas might just be back if they can solve the past defense so we'll see we come back we'll talk about alabama obviously nick saban no longer in tuscaloosa what does that mean for the tide heading in to the 2024 season pj glasser mark drumheller filling in for nick and ken you better you bet presented by betmgm two hours down two hours still to go